just start bigger sooner because it took me 10 years to get into larger multifamily and I could have probably done that five years ago. But I think at the time you get comfortable doing what you're doing or you're just afraid and just kind of taking the bull by the horn. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Jonathan Barr. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm great as well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. A little bit about Jonathan. He's a full-time real estate investor with 11 years of experience. And his portfolio consists of a 14 unit, a 72 unit, a commercial property. And he's also been involved in over 400 flips. He is based in Los Angeles. And his website is JB2Investments. The letter J, the letter B as in boy or as in bar. The number two investments.com. And of course, that link, as always, will be in the show notes. So, Jonathan, do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today? Sure. I got my start after the last recession, started in a family flip business. So, my parents kind of lost everything after the last recession. So, I came back after college to kind of help them rebuild. So, it was obviously a tough time to get a job during that time. So we first started going to the foreclosure auctions. So we're bidding on properties. We're probably bidding on buying at 1.78 homes a month. It was pretty nuts. And like Theo said, we did about 400 flips during that time period, made about $22 million in profits and 38% return average yearly on all our deals. And last November, I bought my first larger multifamily, a 14 unit in Kansas City, and then two, three months ago, just closed on a 72 unit in Oklahoma City. And the reason why we transitioned was in 2010, 11, I bought a few duplexes that I held long-term for eight to 10 years. They appreciated 400% during that time period. And I was like, I need to do more of this, sold those 1031 into these deals. And today we're looking for more 70 plus unit deals. And we're now syndicating mostly with friends and family right now, but we are opening it up to other people at this point. So is the transition from the fix and flips to the large multifamily, just something that you're doing or is it a total family business not transitioning to? It's something I'm doing. It's what I've been wanting to do for a while. So my brother is my partner. So him and I left that business to start this business separate from that business. So we're not flipping at all anymore. Part of the deal of us leaving the business was that we wouldn't flip in LA to not compete with our family in that business. So we've completely separated. Okay. Makes sense. What's it like growing up in a household where everyone's doing real estate all the time? Our dinners are basically business meetings that we talk about real estate. My daycare was my mom's real estate office. I've been showing houses since I've been a kid. It's, it's in my blood. It's ingrained. It's, it's our whole life. Like Thanksgiving is basically talking about deals. So sure. Yeah, it's fun. So I went to school 
And then you said you graduated and then basically went straight into the family business for the past, well, that'd be like 11 yeah, 11 years. Yep. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless. From accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting, go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. I know a lot of people, when they start doing deals, they have a a background where they worked in real estate in some form or fashion, and then they Mm -hmm. start to do their own deals. So maybe walk us through, what do you think are some of the advantages of that as opposed to just going from a W-2 job that's not related to real estate and then jumping into investing? Yeah, that's a good point because most of the people out there, I'd say it's 50-50 of GPs that I meet are either coming W-2 or have some sort of real estate experience. And I feel it's very beneficial to have, even though it's smaller deals, it's very beneficial because you experience all kinds of things, even on the smaller deals that you could use in the future, especially because most of the deals we're doing were heavily dealing with construction. So I have a pretty good understanding of construction down to beams, plans, all kinds of things. So I feel it's helped me a lot in negotiations. I've negotiated 400 deals. I've experienced all different kinds of people. I've dealt with tenants. I've been on the trenches doing leasing management. I've kind of done every facet of real estate in the last 10, 11 years that I've learned so much that is helping me leaps and bounds now. Let's talk about the transition. So you're doing mostly, or it seems like all fix and flips, and then you eventually did your first 14 unit deal. What brought about that transition? Why didn't you just keep working in the family business? Things seem to be going pretty well. What made you decide to say, well, I want to do my own thing. I want to transition into multifamily. So the thing about flips is, especially in LA, you could make a hundred K a pop easily on a deal and it's great, but you make 
that one pop and then you got to keep on finding the next deal. And it, it's pretty challenging, especially with inventory so constrained and so much competition in such a large market. And I wanted to have a future where I could leave the business and not have to kind of keep on going and not be so involved in the day to day. So that was part of it. A part of it, it is, it can be challenging to work with family and especially your mom. So it's definitely those dynamics as well. And then just having the ability, because I definitely had a say in things, but having the full say and direction of how you want things to go is pretty powerful. You don't realize that till you're out of it. But yeah, the transition was tough. I was making a salary there. It was consistent, but I left with some investment property. So I had some kind of stable income. My wife has a job that we have benefits through. I, I bought my house pretty cheap in LA, so low overhead. So it's been challenging though. It's kind of like you start in this new business and you kind of start from the beginning when you're kind of on top of this other business. So it's definitely humbling, kind of puts you learning new things, learning new markets, dealing with new people. It's been challenging, but fruitful and I enjoy it. And, and I have a lot of passion for what I'm doing now. And I feel better too. <laughs> there you go. Well, something else I wanted to ask you too, because usually whenever... I talk to people who are either doing real estate with family or a significant other. I ask how, so for you, you said you're doing it with your brother right now, right? Yep. Would you recommend that if you're going to get a partner, do it with someone that you don't know or do it with someone that you do already know and have some sort of relationship with? What are the advantages of what you're doing? Are there any challenges you have to go through? I worked with my brother at the other business for about eight years. So I really knew how he worked already. So I kind of knew what to expect and I trust them with my life. So that's pretty important to have in a partner that I could trust them fully, which I think is very important. So I think that's a huge plus about dealing with someone that you know and trust because that's very important in business. The downsides I would say is maybe one person ends up doing a little bit more of the work because they know more, they're just a little bit more motivated for whatever reason. And you kind of let it slide because you know them and you let it happen. So I think the good part about if you found someone new that is doing what you're doing is maybe there could be more of a motivation in a different way like that. But I think the trust thing kind of outweighs a lot of that. You actually brought up a really good point about the balance of the amount of time each partner spending in the business. And I imagine that's even more so when you're first starting off, because depending on what your roles are, if someone's supposed to be finding the deals, another person's supposed to be asset managing, well, there's no deals to asset managing. So what's that person doing? So was that a challenge? And maybe also talk about how you guys decided to break up the various duties involved. Was it you both were kind of doing the same things or did you immediately say, okay, brother, you focus on this. I'm going to focus on this. And then how did you make that decision? Well, right now we're just kind of splitting everything 50-50 or sort of 50-50. And we're still kind of figuring that out. Now that we do have a couple assets and there are some asset management, and I think we each have our own strengths. I think we're leaning towards certain directions. I think my brother is probably leaning more towards the acquisition side and I'm leaning more towards the asset management, investor relations, that kind of stuff. How much money do you raise so far? about half a million. But the good thing, we have properties in LA that we've been selling. So we've mostly self-funded right now. Okay. Is the plan to continuously self-fund or is the plan to eventually start 
focusing more on raising money. We're focusing more on raising money now by putting content and putting that all out there and being I was like this. So, <laughs> perfect. So you raised 500K so far. You're in the beginning stages of raising capital. Yep. Um, this is perfect. So let's talk about, also, you're the guy who's doing it. So what's your current thought process on raising capital? What the things are you doing? You already mentioned content, so we can dive into that. Anything else you're doing to start to raise capital? And then in addition to that, you can either answer that separately or with this, but I also want to know, do you have like a certain amount of goal of money you want to have in verbal commitments, or are you just kind of seeing how much you can get? So the amount of money you can raise, is that going to determine what types of deals you're looking at? Or are you still going to look at any deals? Yeah, right now we kind of have verbal commitments around the 2 million range, and that's kind of where we want to be for the next deal we want to do. But yeah, I would say my recommendation would be to start as soon as you can, because our mistake on the last deal is we thought just with our inner network, we could raise what we needed to do the deal. And we kind of came short and we had to end up funding most of the deal ourselves, which we didn't want to do. So I say the sooner you start, and a big thing to do is just ask the people in your inner network who they know that might be interested in something like this. But I have an ebook on our website. If you go to JB2 investments forward slash lower, it's a taxes kind of thing where I talk about 1031s, accelerated depreciation and investing in retirement funds as well. And then I have a blog. So I put out a blog once a week to people on our list. I'm very active on Twitter where I have about a couple thousand followers and I just talk about what we're doing in the business and what I've learned and get a lot of feedback that way. And a lot of people coming through our funnel through that. And I've set up also some automation with emails and then being on podcasts and doing little events where we do a deep dive on the last deal we did. So just a bunch of content, a bunch of networking, a bunch of just putting things out there as well. And I think with the experience that we have, it, it's pretty powerful doing that many deals, making that amount of profits, good returns, and over a decade is pretty rare out there for people be, starting in this, at least. Sure. I'd be interested to go more detail a little bit on the Twitter. So that's something that we particularly focus on. So what's your strategy there? I mean, you kind of already mentioned what you're posting, but how frequently are you doing this? Are you making sure that you're, you're, you're on there a certain time of the day or you're always checking notifications and replying to people's messages? Like what's your strategy on Twitter? Walk us through maybe like a week yeah. on Twitter first, what you do. First, I'll start with the reason why I went on Twitter is because another syndicator I know in LA raised $20 million from one person he met on Twitter. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be on Twitter. <laughs> So my strategy is I post something every day and it just has to do with interesting things that I've learned on the deals that we're working on. I've also been on a weekly basis, just post a really cool flip deal we did in the past and I'll post all the numbers, pictures, and I'll do a thread of a story of how the deal happened and what was unique about it. So I do that once a week. And then I also just interact with a lot of people on there. I try to spend 30 minutes a day commenting on different threads that I find interesting or other active people on there. I've also networked with a bunch of people on Twitter. And I also did a Zoom multifamily Twitter event where there was a lot of active people on Twitter that I got all in a group and we all talked and connected and we're all trying to help each other out now. I hope we get that interview again in like a year from now when you raise 40 million from one person on Twitter. <laughs> that that would be amazing. Yeah. All right, Jonathan, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? 
I would say just start bigger sooner because it took me 10 years to get into larger multifamily and I could have probably done that five years ago. But I think at the time you get comfortable doing what you're doing or you're just afraid and just kind of taking the bull by the horn and, and doing it, it'll work out. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group of eight to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at BEC2022.com. That's BEC2022.com. Okay, Jonathan, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Psychology of Money. And I like that because it, it talks about compounding, how different people look at money, and it kind of our investment thesis. They really drilled down to it, and it's really readable. I actually listened to the audiobook, so... It was great. Morgan Housel is the author. I forgot to ask this earlier, but is that one of your apartments behind you on the, yes. on the video? Yes, that's the 72 unit, Norman Creek Apartments. Cool. If you're listening to this, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. But he has a green screen behind him. It's his, his apartment. It's not a green screen. He's actually sitting in the parking lot right now of the apartment. Um, yeah, okay, so- and that's a rendering too. So that's a new signage we just put up. Oh, nice. That we designed ourselves and everything. Yep. There you go. Okay, if your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? That's a tough question. I would start some kind of business. I don't really know. Probably if my real estate business collapsed, it would have to be a different kind of business. I've always wanted to open a breakfast joint. I might do that. I love breakfast brunch places. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, if you do that, I'll come. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's the best deal you've done? This can be one of your apartment deals or one of the fix and flips deals. I think the duplex that I sold in LA. So I bought it at an auction. So the company I was working for let me borrow 300k for a week, I put 90,000 into the deal. And then I had a private party lend me the money a week later. And then I leased the property out and held it for about eight years, sold it for a million 30 and 1031 that into a 14 unit in Kansas City, a turnkey. And I went from making 1200 a month to about 5000 a month. So it oh, was nice. huge. Yeah. What about on the flip side? What about a deal that you or the business you used to work in lost money on? And then how much was lost? And then what lessons were learned? So going to the auctions, you have to do your own title. And sometimes second loans go to auction. And we were getting our information from the title company in the morning for the deal. And what ended up happening is they gave us wrong information and we ended up buying a second loan. And I think we ended up losing 250, 300,000 on that loan because we had to sell the property, pay off the first and then make up the difference. And what I learned from that is just making sure to have due diligence list for everything. And especially in the auction situation, you have to triple check everything, not even double check, but actually triple check. So we created a bunch of checklists and different ways to double and triple check any information we get. So nothing like that ever happens again. But out of 400 deals to lose money on one auction deal, I guess that's not terrible. 
What is the best ever way you like to give back? Actually, I like talking to younger people that are in college, thinking about getting into real estate and talking about that, helping them give them direction. And that brings me back to Twitter because a lot of young people reach out to me on Twitter and have conversations with probably one college kid a week about real estate and what interests them and and what path they want to take. That's awesome. And then last question, what is the best ever place to reach you? Best place would be at JB2 Investments on Twitter or also on my website, jb2investments.com. And you could also join our tribe to get in front of our deals. And it's just JB2 Investments forward slash join. And that'll also prompt you to set up a call with me and we could talk more and get to know each other. And then what was the backslash for the ebook? The ebook was JB2 Investments Lower. Like lower taxes, just lower. Oh, L-O-W-E-R. Okay, got it. That's correct. All right, Jonathan, well, thank you for joining us today and providing us with your best ever advice. We know a wide range of topics, but we yeah. talked about the thought process you had about behind the transition from working in a sense, not exactly, but a W-2-ish type job in real estate to doing your own thing and the thought process behind that, why you did that, and then how you had a foundation before you jumped into that. We talked about some of the things you want to see in a business partner, trust. It's really nice that you're able to see how he worked for eight years. And so understanding how they work in business is also a huge plus. And then you talked about how you're doing things 50-50 right now. And eventually you'll start to naturally slide into your areas of expertise. And then we went into a lot of detail on the different things you're doing to raise capital to start to get more verbal commitments from people. Although right now, most of the deals you've done have been with your own money. Going to transition using yep. other people's money in the future. We talked about focusing on your inner network, but also not completely relying on them and assuming that they'll be able to bring all the capital for that deal. And then you talked about your ebook, blogging, Twitter, the different types of events that you do, and a lot more detail on Twitter, going on podcasts, things like that. And then lastly, your best ever advice, which was to start bigger sooner, not getting super comfortable where you're at and being afraid to lose that and not taking that risk. Just trying to do that sooner rather than later. So I had the golden handcuffs for sure. The golden handcuffs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best every day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.